Welcome to the CBD Ed Show with Ed Cheney, a CBD industry expert and business executive. In this program, we will discuss the uses of CBD and other methods of treatment that are alternatives but also complement conventional medicines. Now, here is your host, Ed Cheney. Welcome, listeners, to the CBD Ed Show. I'm your host, Ed Cheney, along with the lovely and wonderful Kimberly Rose. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Ed. You are very welcome. So, listeners, we have an exciting show today. I'm very excited. Now, we've had a bit of a change in our guest. Uh, Initially, we were going to have Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, uh, and she was going to speak on behalf of a very cool study that we have uh, to share with you today, Uh, but because of an unexpected patient need. She was called off. Uh, and instead, we have Ken Epstein, co-founder of Canformatics and the author of the study, so or one of the co-authors of the study. So uh, that's a mild change. Yeah, but nothing. I mean, we think Ken is wonderful also. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I wanted to take just a moment uh, as I had a chance to read, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein is also an author, and I had a chance to read her book, and I wanted to share with everyone, especially those out there who have a need for cannabis information as it relates to medicine. Mm-hmm. So you might be looking at cannabis as an alternative uh, or struggling with other pharmaceutical solutions that aren't working, I want to encourage you that the book that she wrote would be very helpful. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was extremely informative, and I've been in the cannabis world for a while, and I learned a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, was, it was very good. Her direction, her views, and her knowledge were exceptional. The book is titled Cannabis is Medicine by Bonnie Goldstein. And it's, it's about how medical cannabis and CBD are healing everything from anxiety to chronic pain. And she goes through uh, a series of, the journey through the book actually starts with knowledge about the plant, the endocannabinoid system, safety profiles, and then it moves into medical symptoms and conditions for very specific cannabis-related solution or, or, or cannabis-related issues out there. Yeah. Like, for instance, arthritis, diabetes, liver disease, and so on. And uh, I just really encourage our listeners, uh, if they're in need of that kind of knowledge, to seek her book out, Cannabis is Medicine. Uh, easy to get it on cannabis or wherever, you know, Google Books, wherever you get your books at. Uh, and it was a wonderful read. Very helpful. Very, very good. Even uh, both the hard copy and the audio was yeah, just uh, a great reference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the uh, the show, the reason we're so excited about it is because both Kim and I are very aware of the challenges faced by patients seeking cannabis as a treatment, treatment option. Yeah. And, and today we'll be discussing with Ken Epstein. He's the co-founder of Canformatics, a biotech company, and also the groundbreaking clinical study designed to remove the confusion and stigma patients face when looking for medical cannabis to improve wellness. Now, you and I have both ran into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard these concerns from our listeners many a times. And the need, and the need for pioneers like Canformatics, to push through the obstacles and bring objective science to cannabis is so important. Oh, oh I mean, we've been, we've been asking for it for how long? I um, mean, we, uh, every right? show for the last two years, yeah. we've been asking for, you know, good, solid studies. Science-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was really glad to see these guys come through. Uh, and, and again, that's what I think is so cool about today's show. Yes. Uh, this this paper was just released on the seventh. So what's that? Three days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just very groundbreaking, very easy to understand. Ken will help us move through it. 
just super excited about it. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Ken Epstein and Canformatics. Uh, again, Canformatics is a biotech company. Uh, their mission is to deliver predictable and repeatable science-based medical cannabis outcomes to improve health to improve health and the quality of life. Now, that's what we all need. Yes. Predictable, repeatable, science-based. Those are all very important uh, from my perspective on what these clinical studies need to, yeah. how they need to, what they it, need to target. It's wonderful because this is, again, what we've been, really why we started this show, just so that we could get information out yeah. to the world. Yep. Um, now, they're also committed to being an unbiased, we appreciate that, partner to the medical cannabis community, mm -hmm. providing medical and scientific data to improve wellness outcomes, reduce stigma, and inspire innovation across the industry. The one thing that we really appreciate is that they're joining us today not to endorse any CBD or THC products, only to share clinical research that is seriously needed by both physicians and patients. Yes, yes. So, and, and we've... You and I both, we've talked over and over again. So when we read reviews, you know, and they are clinical views and they're peer reviewed. But in so many of them, there, there is a resistance to go deep. Mm -hmm. And you always got to wonder about the objective. Yes, there always seems to be at the end of every study yeah. that in that summary of it's still unregulated. It's still be very, it, there's a warning. <laughs> and um, not yeah. that, you know, th that's not a healthy thing to do when you're, in, you're studying something that maybe for the first time you're not, you know, yeah. we, there's so many times, right, where things can go array. Yeah. But. Well, let's, uh, I, know, uh, I know Ken is on hold for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's take a minute and we'll, we'll introduce Ken. Uh, and bring him into the conversation, and we can start talking about both their purpose, you know, for this study, and then to dive into the study itself. Uh, I, you know, when you and I went through this, once we understood what they were, the design of the study, I think all of us at the office went, "Oh, this is good. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be good." So anyway, so let's say let's bring Ken Epstein. On, and he is the Chief Communication Officer for Canaformatic. And Ken, are you online with us? Can you hear me okay? Yes. I got you loud and clear, Ken. Yay. Thank right, you for was... having me on the show. Hi. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us on this show. So I like that that's mutual. So. Yeah, Ken, you think you can start you... off with... Now you go ahead, Ken. Go ahead and ask your question. No, I was just going to say, do you want me to dive in on Camformatics? Where would you like me to start? Well, let's first let's first talk about the purpose of this study. What problem what, what were you after? What what problem was it to solve? So this study was really meant to do a couple things. One it was to validate our uh, technology and to establish a tool for being able to uh, measure the impact of cannabis in children with autism. And by doing so, also validating the tool to be able to be applied to a lot of different medical conditions that uh, cannabis or CBD can treat. The other part was obviously to be able to start to give clinicians and families of children with autism some uh, data to be able to start to see what is the what impact, if any, uh, cannabis and CBD products are having on children with autism, because there's a lot, as you were talking on the start of the show, there is a lot of questions about what is this doing for, for these children? We see it helps, but we don't know how it's helping. Perfect. Yeah. Well, spe well said. Well said. Now, 
you asked a great question. Should we should we talk about canformatics? Let's talk about why are they in such a good position to be able to provide these science-based clinical studies for the cannabis industry? So we started the company to answer the question exactly what you and Kim were talking about up front, which is there is, in the medical cannabis space, there just hasn't been a source of objective data. And that the data that does come from, there's lots of uh, studies and things, and they're usually done observationally in terms of people reporting either how they're feeling themselves. So they've already, they've taken something, they're, they're feeling less pain or they're doing something, but it's, it's their own judgment. And exactly what they're experiencing from their product doesn't necessarily mean you or I are going to have the same experience. So those, there wasn't a way to have predictable and repeatable based outcomes. And so we felt like we had a solution in terms of being able to use metabolomics and to develop a tool to be able to provide people with a predictable and repeatable outcome and give the scientific community the benefit of that so that a doctor looking at the results in Boston on a patient, if that same patient was in a doc- with a doctor in California, they could see the same results and they know that it was done in the same way and that those results are comparable. Okay. And, and as, a, as a person who has business experience, I, I agree that your company is in a great position to do a good job with this. This is what they do. They, they are trying to achieve predictable and repeatable science. They do not have a product, a CBD or THC product to sell. Uh, so this is science-based tools to support those patients and those doctors trying to achieve an outcome. Mm-hmm. A predictable outcome. That's right. Yeah. So, That's right. And as well as to work with the medical cannabis community, those producer processors to be able to develop products or be able to test their products so that they know they can actually, the claims that they're making are real or, you know, are valid. Yeah, that, that's part of the innovation that you guys have created. Not only the, the tools that you created to be able to make this study work, but that other innovation is, is you are going to help the cannabis industry, the cannabis, uh, the, the, those people in this space to be able to design their products correctly, which is key. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the unique approaches to this study, uh, let's let's if you can help us to understand biomarkers, and as they relate sure. to the cannabis responsive biomarkers. Sure, sure. So yeah, the word biomarker gets uh, thrown around a lot in a lot of different ways. Okay. So I always think it's it's helpful to kind of just give us everybody sort of the same thing. A biomarker is an indication of a thing that we can measure that gives us an indication of something happening in our body. So a good example that everyone, well, probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with is cholesterol. Mm-hmm. You go in, the doctor orders a lipid panel and you get a number as to whether your cholesterol and whether it's high or low. And based on that, you can have a conversation about diet and medicine. And six months later, they can take that test again and see if that number changed. So we know that cholesterol is a biomarker for plaque in our arteries. Beautiful, beautiful. And I'm looking over at Kimberly being a mom and I'm watching her and to see if she understands this. And if she does, I'm pretty sure our listeners do. (laughs) Yes, thank you. I I understood that. (laughs) Great, great. So a cannabis responsive biomarker is a, is basically the, hold on, uh, is basically our way of being able to understand how those, how those molecules that are responding to cannabis and give us an idea as to how cannabis is impacting our body. In the same way that a statin lowers our cholesterol, 
uh, cannabis is changing molecules in our body as well. Okay. So moving it from a subjective to a more definitive. Yeah. So if we think about it, it's like we're looking at the molecular data and it allows us to kind of group patients together to understand, okay, if people are moving in this direction and we can see that their stress levels are coming down, their uh, molecules related to inflammation are changing. All of, we can track these different molecules that were known to do, have different impacts in our body and be able to see, are those molecules changing in response to cannabis? And those become cannabis-responsive biomarkers. Which, when I read your study, that was so very cool. And, yeah, I, I'm really bringing that down to that was a very cool uh, thing to observe in your study. Yeah, because in our ASD study, we were analyzing the saliva children with autism and seeing if by taking uh, what benefits we can see they were taking from the med medical cannabis and understand why medical cannabis is helping them. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> and that made sense to our office when, when we talked about this study. Uh, and so I, I'm just going to kind of echo back what I heard. So through the saliva, we're able to recognize metabolites. And you have profiled those metabolites so that you understand how they affect it or respond it to cannabis medical treatments. That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. And what uh, a lot of people are kind of question or they're surprised that we're using saliva as the... Um, as a substance versus blood or urine. And the reality is, is that saliva is 70% blood and that in our saliva, there's over 1,500 different molecules that we can detect in a simple saliva test. Okay. So it really becomes an easy way and a non-invasive way for us to be able to uh, identify these biomarkers because obviously for children with autism, a blood test can be a really traumatic experience. Yeah. But being able to simply drool into a little collection tube yeah. for most of the participants in that, in the study, that wasn't too difficult. And I can, I, I'm sure all the mothers can appreciate that too. I'm pretty sure they already suffer enough as it is. Definitely. Now, I, I wanted to, you know what, can, can we just, is, is there anything that you would like to share from an understanding perspective before we jump into just a brief abstract of this clinical study that we're here to talk about today? Sure. I think it's important for people to understand the difference between the biomarkers that we're talking about and DNA biomarkers. Okay. Because there's, especially in the cannabis space, there's been, there's several different um, companies out there that talk about analyzing our DNA in relationship to cannabis and CBD. And it's a common question that we get, what's the difference between a DNA biomarker and a uh, cannabis responsive biomarker? And the big difference is that our DNA biomarkers, they don't change. So from the moment we're born to when we die and even after we die, our DNA doesn't change because obviously we know that people can be identified after death from, from their DNA. Sure. So it's not changing in response to anything that we're doing. The biomarkers we look at, the metabolites, because it's part of our metabolism and our metabolism is recognizing the medications that we take, the food we eat, the, you know, whether we're under stress or not and other lifestyle things, it's constantly changing. So what we're seeing is basically when we analyze a saliva, we're looking at a snapshot of time and we're seeing exactly at that moment what's happening with, with the metabolism of the participant or, or the patient. 
So that's, that's really the big difference because so our DNA, it can be a good predictor of how we might respond to cannabis or other things. But as we know, you know, um, I always give the example that my family, I'm, I have a full set of hair. My brother, he lost, started losing his hair as a teenager. Right. We both have the same, you know, we both have that marker. My grandfather had lost his hair, my dad, but in him it expressed and he was able to, he lost his hair. For me, even though I had that propensity, I didn't. And so our DNA doesn't, just because we have a gene, does not necessarily mean that gene is going to um, express in the same way in each person. So it gives us a, a, the possibility, but we're actually seeing what's actually happening. Right. Now, and then I'll just add to it, and I'm sure you are already aware of this, that in the industry, one of the big things is dosing or even the profile of the cannabis itself, you know, how to, how to mix certain cannabinoids and terpenoids and so forth to be able to mm-hmm. arrive at uh, the best outcome. And it seems that measuring in this way is extremely effective towards that. Yes, because when, in this study and how we work, we look at the child provided a sample before they took their first dose of the day. So, uh, and then we look at them at their peak, which was generally around two or three hours later. And we can see, and then over time we can see, A, how often do they need to take the medication to maintain the balance that they're achieving? But we can also see if the amount that they're taking, if it is moving their markers in a way that's either too high potentially that they're taking too much or not moving them far enough so that their dose could be too low. So we can actually be able to um, provide that optimization of the dose. And this, listeners, is the exciting part of this study. Yeah, that's great. Right? Yes, yes, yes. The dosing has always been an issue since, you know, we started all of this way back when because everyone is different. Yeah. Well, then that's still only the tip of the iceberg. There's still the, the profiling. Yeah. Yeah, of all the different components of the plant. Um, well, so let's, how about then, since we're, we're diving into this, Ken, how about just a nice brief abstract of this study? Sure. So, as I, so I gave a pretty good setup as to the overall methodology, but let me just kind of give a little bit of an overview of, like, who were the participants in the study. Okay. So everybody in the study, all the children who participated, they were 6 to 12 years old. They were a mix of boys and girls, um, primarily in Southern California, of mixed um, race, ethnicity, socioeconomics. And, and they all have been using cannabis successfully for about a year. Okay. So that was very important. So these were not, these weren't kids who just started taking cannabis for this study. Um, these were all children whose physicians and parents and uh, teachers all believe that cannabis was having a, a, a positive effect on them. So we were really just looking to start to understand how was that effect happening. So, uh, so those are sort of the participants. They were also, a lot of them were under the care of uh, Dr. Goldstein, who you talked about on the on front of the show, okay. and there were also um, many were members of Whole Plant Access for Autism, who is one of the sponsors of the study. Um, they so these were all kids and families that were very much committed to and connected to uh, medical cannabis. Okay. And then the study, basically, as I said, we looked at. We took samples from kids in the morning and over the course of a day took several samples from them. And then we basically started to, uh, we would then look at those samples. The other part of the study is that we had 10, you can call them a control group. We looked at 10 neurotypical kids of the same mix of age and gender 
to be able to compare how the biomarkers from the children with autism compare to their neurotypical peers. Right. And that typically developing group was really important because that's what starts to give us what we call the physiological range, which is to understand for these biomarkers, which have never really been measured before, well, what does, what is the range that for, for a typically developing kid, how, you know, where should they be? And then it gives us a point of comparison from how the, where the kids with autism were. And basically what we found was that across about 65 different biomarkers that we could see that our kids with autism were pretty far. They started off in the morning and their biomarkers were pretty out of whack in comparison to the typically developing range. And, uh, and then when we measured those biomarkers from at peak, we could see that for the majority of our participants, all of, almost all of their biomarkers trended towards that typically developing range, which was really amazing to see. And it really gave us a good insight into the type of biomarkers that we're moving and that it gives us a good indication that there's real physiological change happening for these kids that is showing up in their behavior. Another important point I should point out is that when parents gave the dose, they also completed a behavioral survey uh, put together by our uh, neuropsychologist on the study so that we could see, you know, track specific behavioral metrics and understand how has, how did the behavior change from the morning to peak and be able to see are what we're seeing on a physiological level actually showing up in real life in terms of improvements in behavior and other autism-related symptoms. Like, like emotional regulations, uh, negative behaviors right, exactly. and stuff. Okay. Okay, so those were the Yeah, typically... repetitive behaviors, yep. skimming, those kinds of things. Okay, all right. Uh, again, I, I'm still fantastic. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I have a few questions to go down, but I would like to be able to take a short break and uh, so we can give it to our sponsors. And so when we come back from this break, Ken, I have a line of questions regarding the outcome of this study that we can share with our listeners. So if you're okay with that, we're going to take a break for about two minutes. Sure. And then listeners, we will be right back with those questions we're going to give to Ken. Okay, so we'll be right back. Live authentically, heal naturally with Canafil. We have three unique blends for pain relief, reducing stress, and promoting healthy sleep. Visit Canafil.com for the convenience of online shopping that includes free shipping. Or if you're in Arizona, stop by our store in Phoenix for personal consultation and product selection. Our friendly staff is here to help you. All of our products have full third-party testing and a seven-day satisfaction guarantee. Call 480-599-1003 or visit Canafil.com. Canafil, giving you your life back. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to the CBD Ed Show. If you have a question that you'd like addressed on a future episode of our program, please send an email to info at the com. That's info at the com. Now, back to the CBD Ed Show. It's the CBD Ed Show, and we're talking about a, an exciting clinical study released by Canformatics. And we have Ken on the line, and Ken, we are talking about the Cannabis Responsive Biomarker Study. Now, I would like to say, and I always do this, Ken, I always try to pronounce the very difficult medical-based terms, and here we go again. This study is a pharmacometabolomics-based application to evaluate the impact of medical cannabis treatments on children with ASD. Autism symptoms. Yes. Disorder. All right. Good job there. I w- <laughs> well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we tend to chuckle about that quite often since that's what we do a lot of is we review uh, clinical studies or clinical reviews, and I'm often caught in that little spot of trying to pronounce something that I can't even go on, online and Google and say, how do you pronounce this? Because it's just not there. <laughs> anyway, back to... The, uh, the very cool study that we're going to talk about. Uh, Ken, I have a question for you. Sure. All right. What did this study show in terms of how children with autism respond to cannabis and how do these findings align with what you see? So the way I'll answer that is these these children who all participated, their families had all seen that, you know, cannabis and CBD was really helping them. Yeah. And they, you know, a year ago, you know, if they came in and they saw Dr. Goldstein and, you know, they were, they usually, by the time they go to somebody like a Dr. Goldstein or a parent wants to use cannabis, it's because they've tried everything else. That's, you know, the stigma of cannabis and the lack of data. It's not an easy decision for a parent to make to choose to use cannabis and give cannabis to their kid. What this study, but the participants in the study, they all had a positive response. And so, and that it didn't, and it didn't happen instantly. It took over time to the point of refining the dose and finding exactly what it is how exactly what will help. But what this study found is it really validated what those parents are experiencing. It starts to give, it starts to show why and how this change of behavior is happening with these kids and what's happening inside these kids from a physiological level that's creating this positive uh, improvement in quality of life. So, that, that was really probably one of the biggest things that the study starts to give insight into. I think that's interesting. Kim, I would love to hear from you as a mother on this. Yeah, I, well, and, and also just talking to people that are, are trying to go to CBD, yeah. um, it, it's not an immediate uh, change. Okay. You, you, you need to, just like with anything else, you need to give it time, you need to find your dosage, you need to find what works for you and yes of course as a parent it's you've of course you're going to go to your doctor you're going to follow them and if it's not working to pivot over to something like cannabis has got to be a a huge decision but to let yourself embrace the fact that it's not hurting your child it's not going to do anything that's going to, you know, again, damage your child is the, probably the biggest thing to, like, just let yourself do that. As Even as an adult that comes into the, you know, comes in and tries CBD, it's, they all, they're always a little nervous when they first start. Yeah. And it's just natural. But if you have something like this, it actually shows 
data, yeah. Yeah, that you, mm -hmm. it's okay. You're going to be okay. Your child is going to be okay. I think it's wonderful. It's yeah. just wonderful. So, I, Kim, just to uh, follow up on, on that comment, one of the things that we've learned in talking with physicians who are treating children with cannabis and, and, and talking with families is that it can take a, um, a family and a physician I, as long as, you know, 16, 15, 16 months to find the right dose and product for a child. Yeah. Our goal is that as we build up in our database and we have more cannabis responsive profiles that we'll be able to increase, you know, have the higher success rate within 24 hours of receiving the first sample. That's big So news. that the life, so the likelihood of that first time you, you know, the, you're trying something, you're, you're relatively close. And that, I think, is going to make a huge difference in terms of people's confidence in wanting to try medical cannabis and, having the, and, and also saving people a ton of time and money in going through all of these different products and giving them time and it's not working and all the frustration that that causes. Mm -hmm. That's really the outcome that we're working towards. And that is, that is the best news that you can hear as a parent that, again, you're not, ex you know, going through this long process of experimentation. Right. Yeah. So that's, this is just wonderful news for, for, especially for a parent that can see the benefits right away. Exactly. All right. And so that brings in another concern. So most doctors treating children with autism will prescribe things like antipsychotics, anti-anxiety, and anti-depression medications, depending on the child's symptoms. How do the results for medical cannabis treatments compare to the research on these medications? Well, you know, I think the, I, I, you can call it the dirty little secret of all those meds is that they've never been tested on children with autism in terms of what, in terms of the physiological impact. Those drugs are given to children with autism based on the studies done in, with uh, neurotypical kids, but there hasn't really been any studies that we're aware of um, for those. So this study essentially leapfrogs them and sort of positions medical cannabis as really the only treatment to have been uh, tested on uh, children with autism. Wow. This is like the first bit of data that we have. Hmm. And it, it, it really, now we've kind of elevated medical cannabis to, to being thought of, you know, in the same, in the same way that those, those drugs are treated. There's actually now more data on how these drugs impact kids with autism than, um, than those prescription drugs that have been being given for, for decades. Okay. Now listen, Kim and I can appreciate that response both ways. We understood the drama of pharmaceuticals as opposed to natural alternative medicine. Uh, but we also, and just want to remind our listeners, the effects here of the ECS system as it relates to a lot of symptoms that are that are with that disorder, autism, are regulated by the ECS system. And the ECS system is still a fairly new and not fully understood system. And I think That's right. I'm in absolutely encouraged that, that your company took this direction with the biomarkers, or the, the, the cannabis responsive biomarkers, because it seems obvious to me that's the best way to measure regulation of the ECS system. And I'm no doctor, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the interest, so the interesting thing, and, you know, we're getting into uh, a lot more science than probably um, um, that I'm comfortable talking about, but I want to just kind of keep it, um, understand that the cannabis responsive biomarkers, they're measuring 
impacts on a lot of different uh, systems. So there are, um, and the relationship between the endocannabinoid system and the central nervous system or in other systems, I yep. think we were tra- we're going to start to unlock that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I want to be clear that what you know what we're showing is these are biomarkers. These are molecules that are associated with a lot of them are associated with the central nervous system, um, and so you're going to you we're going to start to understand how those systems intertwine, but. It's it's not just that we're measuring the the EC, uh, the ECS. We're actually looking at molecules that are from multiple systems across the body. Okay, all right, and that's and that is fair, and I, I appreciate that uh, that statement too. Uh, did this study bring to light any new discoveries in terms of understanding how medical cannabis or CBD works in the brain? Yeah, actually, many of the biomarkers in the study found represented starting to understand how cannabis works in the brain to that point. So we saw that um, cannabis impacts uh, a molecule called, and this is now, this is my turn to kind of have the uh, complicated word, uh, (laughs) N-acetylspartate, which uh, the acronym is NAA, which is tied to neuroinflammation. Yep. Spermine is another molecule that's tied to pain. We saw cortisol, which we, you know, is well known to be a stress molecule, also okay. responded to cannabis. We discovered, uh, I'm just going to give you the, the molecule name, DHEAS, which is a, uh, it's a form of, uh, it's a testosterone kind of drug. It's a male hormone connected to aggression. and glutamine, a neurotransmitter. So we identified all of these molecules that for the first time understanding that these molecules are actually, these metabolites are responding to cannabis, which was unknown before this study. And then you can read them in their saliva. Yes, we can. can, We can detect them, right? We can see how those levels go up and down in response to cannabis and how they change over time as cannabis, as the uh, dose works through the body. Okay. And I'm pretty sure anybody who is a parent of somebody with autism knows these terms you're speaking of. With the pain and the the, uh, uh, inflammations, uh, the hormones and such. Yeah, I'm reading through that. Go ahead. Ken. That's I think that's what that's why doctors I think are so are excited about this study. In the last few days, I have to say, with um, the response to the study in terms of just uh, within the scientific community is has been really positive. And I think what we're the reason why is that the scientific and medical community is actually starting to get data they've never seen before. And something, you know, inflammation is something that's talked about a lot with autism, but there's not really been a good way of measuring it or being able to uh, understand it. And so the fact that we're able to detect molecules that are related to inflammation and see them changing, not just, it doesn't just help understand the value of, of cannabis to autism, but it's, but it starts to give insights into the actual medical condition itself. And, and breaks new ground in terms of understanding of autism. And we expect we, you know, to be publishing uh, papers, you know, in the next couple of months that are going to even further that, that understanding. And, and good. And keep going in that direction because that's what I would like to know is what is next? Because you are, you're setting a pathway. And I would imagine that the responses from the science community, uh, it, it seems like they would be supportive. Yes, we're definitely, I'd be definitely feeling a lot of support from the scientific community in terms of what's next. So we are in the process of uh, submitting a second paper in terms of findings from this study. Good. And it will, 
will go through the same peer review process that this paper did, and uh, you know, as as it gets through peer review, eventually, you know, we'll respond and you know expect to see it published in um, the first first quarter of next year, and then we have uh, kind of two studies in the works. Um, one, obviously, we want to continue with our ASD study, and the next step for this study is to go much broader, uh, you know, to a group of at least 200 uh, people with ASD to a much bigger age range, um, multi-diagnosis, to really get a broader sampling of, of people. That study we hope to do uh, later in 2022, uh, we're an early stage startup, so one of the our big hindrances is in terms of how much funding we have to be able to continue the study. So we are aggressively, you know, um, moving and sort of talking to investors to be able to extend that. We have a second study that we've been commissioned on through an Israeli company called Cannabitech, which is where we're going to be looking at chronic neuropathic pain and how. Uh, the role of cannabis and functional mushrooms can be used to treat chronic neuropathic pain uh, in, uh, in patients. Yep. yep. Did, a, did a review on that one as well. The, uh, and just for our listeners, uh, to produce a clinical study or a review is quite expensive. Uh, it, it's in the millions. Would I be correct, Ken? Um, not necessarily. So I think it just depends on the top. It's not in the millions. It's definitely not. Uh, it's not a cheap undertaking. Uh, yeah. But it is. It is a very. Uh, it is a very expensive thing. Certainly, when you start to go up to like two hundred people, yeah. the cost goes. You know, it gets. It, it can be pretty high. It so uh, it's not unusual. It's not unusual for it to go up into the millions. Uh, we try. We're. We try to do things as efficient as possible and uh you know and and bootstrap as much as we as we can i understand that one really well uh ken let me ask a couple of questions that i think our listeners might have so i i'm going to assume i have a parent listening today and they are now probably pretty excited that this data exists now and is now able to be obtained by their physician maybe or that the next time they they talk to a physician, uh, they, can, they can cite this information. But what, how real is that? Uh, so if a mother who is listening to this show today, can she reference this study with her physician and ask him to look into it and then start having an intelligent conversation about it? Or must she seek another path, like an alternative physician? So she certainly can t- talk about the study with, with her physician. I think what her physician will say is, A, our sample size was, is, is small okay. for, for, for very legitimate reasons. And you'll be surprised how many medications are actually developed from a relatively small sample size. But that to be able to, this was not a uh, clinical double blind study okay. that is used for sort of conclusive evidence. This was really about proving um, the tools and technology and getting to and sort of having a valid tool okay. and start, and it starts to give some insight into the impact of cannabis on children with autism. All right. I would not expect a doctor to be making clinical decisions off of this study. All right, and that's fair, and that's fair. Uh, but it could open the door to some conversations, at least having... At least the, where the physician can Absolute. be supportive in a conversation with a patient. And I'm also thinking this could even go beyond autism. Absolutely. So, yes, where, where this study is going is exactly to the point I made, which is doctors are trained, essentially, that they look at treatments that take us from something that is out of, out of uh, a healthy range and bringing it to a healthy range, whether that's, you know, our cholesterol or our blood sugar or whatever, our blood pressure, 
it's like we they they like to know what is what is outside the range and um, and what do I know that clinically will with the minimum amount of side effects help that patient get to the physiological range. Right. This paper starts to give doctors data in language that they're used to seeing and understanding and will start to help them kind of get there. Bravo. So that's, so that's, that's exactly, um, so that mom will be able to have that conversation with their doctor, but this is just recognize this is a beginning Yeah. Right. in terms of, but the application, go ahead. Well, I was saying, so then would you, how does a mother find a, a, a I don't want to say a cannabis doctor, but a doctor that has background and familiarity with cannabis for patients? Sure. I would recommend um, that people who are interested in finding a clinician who's comfortable with cannabis or uh, recommending it, start with, go to the Society of Cannabis Clinicians website. They have a directory there of cannabis clinicians across the country and they can, you know, try to find the nearest one. And obviously now with telehealth, um, it can be easy to set up a, a video appointment for someone if you're, there's not one near you. Okay. Okay, Ken, I'm going to have to start wrapping things up. I have one quick question. Can we share this study? Sure. Our listeners request it. Perfect. Very good. Very good. Okay, so uh, this is going to be a wrap for today's show, Ken, because we're running out of time. But I did want to thank sure. you and Camformatics for both the research, the innovations, the contributions to the cannabis research world. Thank you. And you have new fans. Mm-hmm. because we are very great. Impressed. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd love to hear it, uh, from you in the future because it sounds like you're going full speed ahead and that's uh, wonderful agreed. for us. Oh, great. All right. Well, people can go register, uh, sign up for a newsletter, camformatics.com wow. to stay and follow us on social media to keep up. We'll list that on our cbdhow.org. Okay. Yes. Uh, that link. Sounds great. All right, so that's a wrap for today. Next show is going to be cannabis components, cannabinoids, terpenoids, and flavonoids. Uh, it's about time we have a conversation about all those components collectively. Anyways, that's a wrap for today's show. This is Ed. And this is Kim. Working to keep you informed. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the CBD Ed Show. Please join your host, Ed Cheney, for another edition next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We can also be heard each week on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, enjoy the upcoming weekend, and we'll be back with you soon.